Coughing is usually thought of as a brainstem reflex event with little information coming from higher brain centers. Yet we all can cough voluntarily. What is known today about the biology of the urge to cough? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host. And with me today is Dr. Paul Davenport. Dr. Davenport is professor in the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine's Department of Physiological Sciences. His primary research interest is in the brain mechanisms of respiratory sensation. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Well, I appreciate you coming from sunny Florida. Dr. Davenport, could you tell us what exactly is the urge to cough? The urge to cough is fundamentally the same as any other biological urge. It's a conscious sensation that you have of an impending need to cough. Why is it just talking about it makes me feel like I want to cough? (laughs) Something about that uh, that induces a suggestive part of our brain that uh, our conscious centers will interpret that sort of input and information. When you see someone yawn, you feel like you need to yawn. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's part of our whole brain processing system that is suggestive that I think also is inherent as one of our basic biological urges. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that the urge to cough is similar to other urges, even uh, such as the urge to eat? That would be our hypothesis. We obviously have not at this point studied that extensively, but what we've looked at so far is there are certain fundamental reflexes that we all know we feel. And when we feel those, one of the ways that psychologists have looked at those urges is they've defined them as a specific biological urge. It's something that happens within us that is basically monitoring our internal milieu. Now, what are the stages that takes the cough from motivation all the way to action? Well, as we all know, coughs are usually started by some sort of stimulus, and that's usually in the airways primarily in the upper airways, but also can occur in the lower airways, depending upon the type of cough or disease process that is producing the cough stimulus. So the first part is sensory transduction, if you will, taking an external environmental cue and converting that into a code from the nervous system and providing that sensory input into the brain. The second step then would be a connection between that sensory input into a supra-brainstem process where we can then connect into conscious centers. The primary sensory process for cough is reflex cough, and that all happens in the brainstem. But there's also a second connection that goes above the brainstem into higher brain centers, which is going to stimulate those areas of the midbrain and subcortical regions to initiate a gating process that is going to lead to the conscious sensation of cough. So you start with the stimulus, move on to urge, Correct. then then what? Well, then as the urge occurs, this sensory stimulation, then as the hypothesized mechanism is that you go to a, a motor awareness that is the desire connection. So you have a certain cognitive desire that uh, then links with this urge to action, if you will. The desire can be various types of desires. It can be a desire to cough or it can even be a desire to suppress cough. For example, if you're in a concert and you get this need that you've got to cough or you hear someone next to you coughing, um, you get this sense that I need to cough also, but you don't want to, so you have a behavioral cognitive suppression of that. So your desire 
then is the part of the motivation process which is going to drive and regulate the urge as best you can. And then what follows desire? Obviously the action then hits next. So after we had we know we've got our urge, we've got our how we want to modulate our cough, then we have the action that's produced from that. And that action can be inhibition of nerve processes, excitation of nerve process, or superimposition of other motor processes on top of the cough response. For example, if you have the urge to cough, you know you're going to cough. You can't stop it. You turn your head. You cover your mouth with your hand. You do certain behavioral things, but the idea that you have a sense, a cognitive urge that precedes this allows you to then behaviorally interact with that cough. After action, is there anything else? Feedback. You need to know whether or not you actually cough. So our sensory nervous system will monitor our motor action response, and that's going to give us evidence of what we actually produced. So was my cough a real cough, or did I actually suppress my cough? What is the, in essence, a second sensory process that feeds back and tells us whether or not that action occurred as we anticipated and then, of course, what goes with that is the last step is the reward process. So if my desire was to suppress cough and I was able to suppress cough, then I get a reward which says action completed. Congratulations, you did a good job. If I tried to cough, suppress my cough, or I tried to cough and I produced an ineffective cough, then the reward system is, again, part of this limbic process is going to provide information to the central nervous system saying that you need to continue to shape this behavior because it was inadequate for what you anticipated. Is urge to cough related to any special kinds of coughs or all coughs? As far as we know, it's related particularly to reflex cough, but that's due primarily to the fact that uh, that's the only place we've studied it. The urge to cough has been studied with reflex cough induced by capsaicin, which is the hot and hot pepper, and uh, it's also been studied with air mist or water mist that's applied to an inhaled air. Voluntary cough is another type of cough which in some way bypasses the urge system. You have a cognitive sense that you want to cough for whatever reason, to get the attention of a waiter or something along that line. And the urge to cough has never been studied in, in the realm of voluntary cough, nor has it been studied in behavioral cough, and here you can help me more than I can help you because behavioral cough would be that kind of cough that you see in patients that have certain behavioral disorders that are using coughing as a behavioral manifestation um, rather than trying to actually protect and clear the airway. So at this time, we've studied primarily just reflex cough. That would be something like Tourette's? Sure, yeah. Something that has no protective function, really. It's simply something that is part of behavioral manifestation. Dr. Davenport, any sense of how this information might be used clinically? We're still fairly new into the study of the urge to cough. It's almost a new awareness that we, something we always knew, but we've never really looked at. We know we can be consciously aware of cough, but most cough is produced reflexly. And so the questions that arise clinically is what do I do with this conscious sense that I need to cough? And a couple ideas that have crossed our minds on this is when it comes to antitussives, some antitussives have very little effect on actually suppressing cough, but 
do they suppress the need to cough or the sense that you have to cough? So in other words, you may not be able to use an antitussive to actually suppress a reflex cough, but you can suppress the sense of a need to cough, and maybe that promotes an ability to enhance cough suppression behaviorally. That's highly speculative, mind you, but that's one of the aspects of how do we help patients manage their cough because part of that is a cognitive awareness of their cough. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the other aspects that strikes me of interest about the clinical application of an urge to cough is also the negative affective nature of coughing. Sometimes we have patients, and you'll see patients, that cough and it's aversive to them. So they're coughing a lot and and they find that a very unpleasant sensation. So one of the areas that we seldom treat patients in pulmonary disease is the affective component of pulmonary disease. It's one thing to know that a patient feels breathless or feels the urge to cough, but how do we manage the patient's negative affect on that same sensation? Now, Dr. Davenport, if we look into your crystal ball, uh, what do you think is the future of this research? Uh, Some of the projects that we're really excited about working on is particularly interacting with the role of antitussive agents. We're interested to find out how antitussive agents actually affect spontaneous cough and do they affect our coughing as a modulation of higher brain centers or assisting higher brain centers in controlling cough. A second area of research that uh, we have going on right now is the role of nicotine in the control of cough. We have a project that's been funded by the state of Florida to look at smokers who have a reduced coughing in response to inhalation of smoke. And is that in part due to the effect of nicotine on the cognitive sense of an urge to cough? And we'll have an abstract at the Next American Thoracic Society in which we're able to show that actually having smokers withdraw from cigarettes for 12 hours, they get an enhanced sense of an urge to cough, which is suppressed when they are given nicotine after that period of time. And so it looks like nicotine itself may act as a central suppression of an urge to cough. In just 12 hours, it changes? Yeah. The half-life of nicotine is about two to four hours, so that if you go 12 hours, you've been about three to four half-lives of nicotine. So the nicotine levels go very low. And so in that amount of time, the central level of nicotine is falling off, as I understand my pharmacology, which is not my specialty, mind you. But as that nicotine level falls, you find that the uh, sensation of an urge to cough increases. This was brought to my attention when I was talking to some people who had recently quit smoking, and they told me that hot food started tasting hotter. And the capsaicin is the hot and hot foods. And so the idea was, is there a modulation of nicotine in our perception of such airway irritants as capsaicin? And so that's why we started those experiments. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but it, it does seem that smokers, active smokers, cough more in the morning. Yeah, they're clear in their lungs, and that is a correct assessment of what really goes on is that as they've slept overnight, they're getting more secretion. So in the morning, they cough a lot. But yet, what interested me is that if I am a non-smoker, which I am, and I'm exposed to smoke, cigarette smoke, I often cough very vigorously. And most smokers do that when they start smoking. But then after they've smoked for a while, you give them the same smoke stimulus, and it doesn't induce a cough. 
And it strikes me as curious, why is that? What happened to the physiological process by which smoke initially produces cough, but then after time they decondition to the smoke? And so our operating hypothesis was that, that this may be a central effect of nicotine because we know that the peripheral effect of nicotine on airway receptors is to actually stimulate airway receptors. So that's why um, we started working on the hypothesis that maybe we can centrally modulate the urge to cough by modulating the level of nicotine within the central nervous system. Well, who knew there was so much to coughing? (laughs) (laughs) Not I! Well, we all know we cough. It's the number two symptom which uh, brings a patient to a primary care physician for treatment. We've been discussing the urge to cough with Dr. Paul Davenport at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening.